0: stream. Welcome to Chasing Prophecy on the UPRN radio network, FM 105.3 in New Orleans, where we discuss anything and everything beyond the scope of normal. I'm Jenny Nicasi, along with my co-host, Sean Kelly and John Venturi. Good evening, guys. Hope everything's going to go good tonight. Next? Oh, great.
1: Couldn't this be better.
0: Show. <laughs> Getting I'm into hoping. the
2: holiday spirit. You oh, know. Yeah.
0: We're in the holiday spirit, all right. Ghosts and everything else creaking around the attic. Well, John, go ahead and introduce our guest today. Give us a little background info. Okay.
3: And you could bring his picture on too, but uh, I met Joe Jordan years ago through MUFON. And, uh, you know, as far as his bio goes, by profession, Joe's an environmental health and safety specialist for a leading aerospace company. He's been with MUFON for 27 years. He is the national director for the Philippines. He was the South Korea country director. Uh, He's a state section director down in Brevard County. Uh, He also runs a group called CE4 Research, and I'll let him talk about that and how that's different than Stephen Greer and some of these other CE5 and other groups that are out there. But his CE4 research findings have been featured in 37 different books. So I wonder if Joe included my book because I, I, I mentioned uh, I mentioned it there also. Uh, uh, you know his work, but um, he also partnered with Jason Dezemba of uh, Huntington Beach, California, and they uh, wrote a, a new book called "Piercing the Cosmic Veil." You shall not be afraid of the terror by night. And that's exactly what this abduction thing is. It's the terror by night. And, uh, you know, I had bought his uh, original book, but this is a rewrite and a better version uh, that he's got here. And I read that one also. And you can find his book on Amazon paperback or the uh, Kindle version of that. So that that's uh, Joe Jordan's background. If you can bring his picture in, we can show everybody yeah. what he looks like.
0: I'm trying to find one in here um, but okay well while you're looking ahead, you
3: know welcome. we'll just we'll just talk uh, with Joe I mean hey Joe if you didn't sign in sign in so didn't get your picture you know click on it
0: yeah, welcome to Chasing Prophecy, Joe it was good to have you on the show I've heard a lot about you so give us a little yeah, bit of information background on how you got into this field
1: well
4: that's a uh... An interesting story. What, how I got into it? Um, when I started out back in 1992, I was not interested in this subject matter at all. I will tell you that. And uh, as I got, as I was on a vacation trip, I happened to pick up a book in a, in a kiosk in the airport just for something to read on the plane. Because back in 92, we didn't have all the gadgets that you know would keep us busy on a long flight. And I was flying from Orlando to New Alaska on this vacation trip. And I ended up picking up a, a paperback in the kiosk. And I was looking for originally science fiction, something that would last the time. Cause I love science fiction, always have. And I knew what science fiction was. You know, science fiction is escapism. You know, it gives you a, a little time to just escape from the reality and the harsh things we deal with every day with life so as i picked this one book up and i looked at it i said oh this looks like a good science fiction book so i turned it over to read the synopsis on the back of it and then i realized that this wasn't a science fiction book this synopsis was saying that this book is a story about the research into a so-called Fly and Saucer Crash in the middle of the desert back in 1947. I'd never heard of this story before. And to me, saying that this was an actual investigation into this was blurring that should-be dark black line between reality and fantasy. Because there's a definite line there. But this book was blurring that line. And to me, that didn't make any sense. So I had to buy it. I had to read it, and all it did was open me up to a thousand questions after that. Like I said, I wasn't familiar with this UFO phenomenon to begin with. As I started into all of this, looking for more answers to the questions that were coming up out of this, I was eventually introduced to the Mutual UFO Network. And understanding what that was and how it worked and been around since 1969, and it gave an opportunity for somebody like me that now is interested in the subject to be able to investigate and research it myself um, and that caught my attention. And it wasn't long in that same year that first year that uh, I was worked my way up and move on as a field investigator, where they put you through the training to be able to do proper research and investigations into this phenomenon. When you're given a case to work on it, to be open-minded, to be objective, you know, to leave your preconceived notions at the door when you, when you show up to, you know, talk to somebody. And I thought that would be something that would be exciting to do, you know, and, and I did enjoy it very much in the very beginning. But as I got involved, more involved in with MoFive, I ended up being asked about taking uh, a county that I lived in, which was the Space Coast of Florida, where, you know, the Kennedy Space Center is located, and, it, you know, I was asked to take the state section director position for that county and organize a group there, you know, for, for move on. and I took that on. I thought, you know, what a neat interesting place to be researching UFOs, uh, but in one of the most guarded air spaces in, the, you know, the world over top of where the, you know, the shuttles are being launched from, and I thought, yeah, I'd be lucky to see anything here, uh, but find out that would change very quickly once I got more involved, but I established a group there, and uh, once I started the group, I was started holding monthly meetings, which MUFON asks you to do, you know, to get information out to the public, and it gives you an opportunity to talk to the public, get them the rest of it, MUFON and uh, bring them in as members too. And I was holding my meetings at a, a local library here, which I'm again doing as a state section director now that I'm back from Korea. And you get all sorts of people that come in you know, the, to these meetings and most of them are looking for answers uh, when you sit and listen to them for a little bit. And they expect us to move on, you know, because they've seen MUFON on TV You know, the different shows that are around, they know we're a respected organization and they come to these meetings expecting answers from us. But to tell you the truth, we're hoping for answers from them because they're the experiencers. We're the researchers and investigators. And we need to glean as much as we can from what they've been through and what they've experienced, you know, to try and get to an understanding of what this phenomenon is really about. Because to date we don't know what this is. You know, we honestly don't. There's nothing out there that's a spoken gun that tells us this is where this is coming from. We just know it seems to not be coming from outside. It seems to be coming from here. But we'll get into that part later. Um, as I started having these meetings and listening to these people's stories, you know, in the beginning, we were following up myself and my uh half a dozen investigators i had trained up working with me in my group uh we were following up on citing reports going after them and uh as MUFOT asked and collecting the data from the reports for their database uh which is huge by the way you know it's hundreds of thousands of cases over the many many decades that mufat has been around you know and what they're looking for is uh, things that might repeat itself that would give us a an idea that There's something we can put together here by querying the different information from many of the cases that come in, try to see if there's something that might be happening. You know, again, that we could put our finger at, but still we don't have that yet. But as I started listening to people that were coming there, I realized that to me, the most important information that was coming through our meetings were people that were coming in there and saying that they were contactees or what they were calling themselves uh, alien abduction experiencers and that was kind of new to me at that point because MUFON wasn't working with abductions at that time they were working mainly with uh, scientific investigation of UFO reports you know and, and they didn't have a way to work with MUFON you know I mean MUFON didn't have a way to work with the abductions at that time There was no structured format or anything in place to be able to deal with these people. And they felt that there was kind of outside something that could be scientifically investigated. So I looked at that and I thought, but these people and their stories, if you listen to them, they're the front line of this phenomenon. It's one thing to stand and see something fly overhead or think you saw something strange fly overhead, and to be telling people that you were actually taken aboard that object and things were done to you. So to me, these were frontline people for this phenomenon. And I talked to my investigators and I said, you know, if we're going to get real answers about what's happening here, I think we need to focus closer to the source. And I felt that these people were that closer to the source. So we decided to focus our work on the abduction phenomenon and on the experiencers that were coming to the meetings. And when we started out doing this, we realized that this is something we couldn't do as MUFON, even though we were all trained MUFON field investigators, we knew how to do research the proper way, we understood the scientific method, we knew how to be objective, you know, we've been trained in all those aspects, but This is a whole new field for us, you know, we were getting into something that nobody else was working at, just a handful of people in the world at the time were looking at the abductions. But I knew that this was important. So we educated ourselves to the best of our abilities by buying books and lectures that had been recorded from the leading researchers into the abduction around the world, so that we wouldn't do any more harm to these people as we started to talk with them and work with them. Because that was the one thing that I was really afraid of after, you know, listening to what they've been through already is causing more harm, you know, on top of what's already happened to them. Their lives have already been turned upside down. You know, and some of them completely destroyed. They've lost family. They've lost jobs. They've lost friends because they can't share this information with them. Nobody can relate to what they're telling them, you know. And to go through these experiences and not know when they're going to happen again, to be taken against your will and things done to you that are very traumatic. You know, these people were suffering from very similar symptoms to PTSD that I was seeing, you know, and there was nobody there to help them. There was nothing that anybody had uh, in a way of an idea to help them except a group that I had Again, never heard of before. Um, But it is something that they had been looking into for some type of help. And that was the New Age metaphysical realm. There were people in that realm that were saying that, you know, they had ideas that they could help these people in some way or another. And, you know, I think a lot of it turned out to be a lot of snake oil salesmen. But it was part of the phenomenon, though they're searching for you know for some type of hope they're searching for some type of aid to be able to either terminate these experiences or to be able to help them cope with them in some way so as as part of the phenomenon in that way i also started to explore what they were dabbling in what they were looking at what they were using for you know that hope and as i did i went right down the rabbit hole uh into that phenomenon myself you know while i was doing the inductions um something lured me right in there just like they had been lured into it it's like there was something missing in my life that was filling a hole and i spent the next four years of the research time not just doing the research but also Coming at it from the perspective of somebody who was a new age metaphysical practitioner. When I first started out, you know, I bought that first book. I was what you would call a agnostic humanist. I didn't have a belief system. I was scientific based, you know, and um, coming at this with, you know, you got to show me something because I ain't seeing it. You know, I was that guy from Missouri, the Shelby State, and. It just wasn't enough there to show me that something was happening, you know, that to make this UFO phenomenon what people believed it to be. Um, and as I got into the New Age metaphysical realm, looking for more answers, you know, it gave me a second perspective to look at the same phenomena. You know, not just one perspective, which most people that get into this um, see it from the one that they start out and the one they stay with. But no, I'm already at two different perspectives to be able to look at this as an agnostic humanist and a new age metaphysical practitioner. But about it, you know, I said four years into this, and then situation came about where I was working with one of the investigators uh, that was working with us, who happened to be a Christian. And she uh, was helping us out, happened to be a girlfriend at the time. Um, and I was glad she was want to get involved because working with these people, you know, most abductees are female. And when you're trying to do investigations and listening to, um, testimonials from what they've been through, you know, it can get really personal, you know, with the female things that they've done, that they've had done to them, you know, on that aspect. So it was good to have her there to be able to to work with these women and then share the information with us so we could collect our data and the work we were doing. In 1996, things changed big time. And uh, like I said, it was just coming out of those four years in the new age dropped. And her being a Christian, she saw that I was having a lot of difficulty you know, dealing with all of this, working full-time, doing investigations and, you know, still dabbling in the new age metaphysical realm. And she stopped me one time, and uh, I'll never forget that day. It was a Saturday. I was visiting at her place, and she said, you know, I can see you've got some issues here that, you know, you're not aware of, I don't think. And I think some of these cases you're dealing with are are very dark and sinister. And I think you should have some type of Protection when you're dealing with them, you know? And I said, Well, I got all the protection I need. And I reached into my pocket and pulled out my gemstones and I shared with me that, you know, each one had its purpose of keeping a protection over you in some way or another. And she says, No, 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 no. She says, I need real protection. And I said, Well, what are you talking about? And she reaches over and grabs a Bible and pulls it out in front of me. And I said, Uh-uh. You know, we talked about this. We weren't going to mix religion and politics, you know, with our relationship. And we'd be fine. And uh, we had been, you know, because we didn't do that. But here she was stepping over those boundaries. And I said, we talked about this. She said, I think this is really part of this phenomenon and it needs to be looked at. What I got here to show you, I think, you know, it is important. And I said, no, you know, we agreed not to bring this into this. And then she made a comment. She threw one back at me that I had used with many people. And that was, you know, you tell everybody you're the most objective, open-minded, researcher, investigator there is. And I said, yeah, I'll swear to that. And she says, well, you'll take a look at this then, right? And uh, I just got busted. So I said, all right. 15 minutes, make it quick. And, you know, she shared with me the gospel message out of this Bible. And i would heard it before. I heard it growing up. My parents were Christians. And I'd been to church up until the time I was a senior in high school. Level. The world kind of, you know, came at me pretty hard. The war was going on with Vietnam. When I graduated from high school, I turned away from the church pretty, pretty quick and uh, got into things probably I shouldn't have for a long time.
1: But I knew the gospel message, but I just hadn't bought into it, you know, all that time I spent in church.
4: But when I heard it this time from her, something clicked really, really hard. And I stopped her when she was, you know, just about finished, and I said, wait. I said, I want that protection. Because I feel that protection is way more than what I'm carrying here. And I made a change again in my perspective at that point. I became a Christian. I accepted that gospel message. And I decided, you know what, it's been way too long. And as I did that, I had to relook at what I was getting, you know, what I had been involved with. How does this UFO phenomenon even fit with the Christian belief system? Is this something I should even be involved in in the first place as a Christian? And some things came about that gave me that answer. And I said to my fellow, not just to her, but I had a real investigator that worked with me that was also a Christian. And I said, you know what, guys, I've got to give up this, this work. I said, uh, this is not something I believe we should be doing as, as Christians. And after explaining to him then the circumstances that brought me to that, they, they agreed too. So at that point, the end of 1996, first part of 97, I was ready to step out of UFO research completely Cleveland and just focus on life and family, uh, you know, that, that was coming and give my life to following Jesus Christ wholeheartedly. But you know, something something stopped me from turning away completely. I was shown sort of like a vision of what this phenomenon was. In a moment's time, I was given a vision of what exactly was behind this. But visions are nothing. To be, you know, everybody has something they see that they're shown and they come from all different you know walks of life people have them and i thought you know so what i had a vision four years in the metaphysical realm when i've been wanting wanting one here i become a christian and i ended up getting one i'm like okay so what is this is it real is is it truth i don't know so i had to go and ask questions to find out whether what i had been shown was real or not and uh in the meantime, you know, understanding that this is uh what I had been given was showing me something other than what the world was saying of this phenomenon was, you know, and, and not wanting to be part of it, I said, you know, God, if this vision's from you and this message is from you, I don't want to be part of this anymore. And I thought, okay, I can give this up. But a few weeks went by and I got this nagging little voice that was telling me, you're not done, and they just kept coming at me, you're not done, you're not done, and I said, you know, as a new Christian, I didn't know how God speaks to you, or if he speaks to you, or how that works, you know, so I said, I talked to him, They say you can talk to him, pray to him, whatever, and uh, I said, God, this is you, I said, no, I don't want to do this anymore, this is wrong, you know, this is not something I thought it was, or could be, and, uh, And I said, you know, that's just the way it's going to be. And uh, I thought, you know, nobody said don't talk to God that way, but I didn't know any better as a new believer. And that voice just kept coming, you know, you're not done with this. You're not done with this. And I said, what am I not done with? What am I I supposed to do here? And, And then it changed. It said, take this back to where you came from. Take what you've learned back to where you came from well back to where i came from is people that didn't believe in god didn't believe the bible was real you know the new age metaphysical route the ufo route for that matter and take what that vision the truth from that vision and take it back and share with it with people what you have and i said no 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 look at that i can't take this gospel message back to people who don't believe this i said it was you know by stroke of luck or whatever, that I've accepted it. But these people are, you know, adamant about not accepting it, not believing it's real. I says, if, if you want me to take this gospel message back, you got to give me something better, you know? And I thought, okay, that'll, that'll stop to this. Well, a couple of weeks later, here comes that little nagging voice again. You already have what you need. So I didn't understand that one at all. So I went and talked to my Christian. Investigator that I was working with. And I said, Let me tell you some things that have been happening. I shared all this conversation stuff with him, and he says, So we already have it. Well, let's look at what we have. And the only thing we had was recorded tapes, videotapes that we had done of testimonials from abductions, of their stories, people telling their stories. And He said, Well, maybe it's in there. So we went back and watched uh, quite a few of them, and there was one particular one we ended up watching, and we had recorded it about six months prior to me becoming a believer. And as we listen to this gentleman, he's saying that during this horrific experience he was having, he cries out, Jesus, 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 or Jesus, help me. And immediately, he wakes up in bed, end of experience, gone, nothing, but nothing's there. He's in the bed. He's from a live, excruciating, painful experience, abduction experience, to instantly waking up in bed. And I said, stop that tape. I said, wait a second. In all of our research, we were told that abductions could not be stopped more or less in that manner, but we were told they couldn't be stopped. The two questions that secular researchers were asking, and they're still asking today, how do you stop this, and why does it happen to certain people? Well, this one, we were at the first one, because everything, like I said, everything we read was saying that they can't be stopped. So I contacted some of the leading researchers myself, personally, called them by phone, talked to them, And I said, guys, I got a case here I don't understand. I'd like to share it with you and get your opinion on it. And they said, sure, tell us what you got. So every time that I would call one of these guys, about a handful of them, and I would share the story. And as I got into the story, every time, somebody would say, can we stop for a moment? Can we go off the record? And I'd say, sure, we can go off the record. You know. And off the record means I can't tell you who I was talking to, but I can tell you what they said. And what they said was, we too have come across cases very similar to that, where people who have, during an experience, have quoted scripture, cried out to Jesus, and have a, hymn, a Christian hymn, you know, a lot of different things like that, and the experience would stop. And I said, well, wait a minute. We've seen nothing to that effect. Everything says that it can't be stopped. But you're telling me now you've got cases that have been stopped in some type of manner like this from a Christian perspective. It's hinting at that. And they're going, yes. And I said, well, why isn't this information being shared? And the answer was, we didn't know what to make of it. Well, you know, that's a fine answer. I would have, I would have settled for that. You didn't know. Couldn't, you didn't understand it. But they didn't stop there. They, they either didn't feel confident in their own answer or or something, but they all had the same second answer, and that was we were afraid to go there because it might affect our credibility in the UFO realm, in the UFO I research And I went bingo, that's the problem. They don't want to get into this aspect of the phenomenon, that there's a might be religious or spiritual aspect to it. So by not telling all the information, most people would call that a cover up. And we've been listening to the word cover up for decades in relation to the government. But I will tell you that there's a definite cover-up going on amongst the leading researchers that people in the UFO realm are, you know, relying on for the truth.
3: I call it cowardice, Joe. They're cowards.
4: Yeah, they are. And, you know, the, the big difference is, is with a lot of them is... Um, they don't seem to be working for a living, except working and telling stories about this phenomenon, and that's something that I've stayed true to myself, Is I haven't relied on this information, you know, to support myself, i continue to work full time, I still do, I love working full time, I love working with the space program, which is what I do, you know, so They can't come at me and say, you know, you're doing this for the money because I'm not doing it for the money. I'm doing it to help people.
3: Yeah, but, Joe, isn't isn't that part of why they won't tell the truth is because they're getting on TV shows. You don't make a lot of money at this. I can attest to that, but I didn't need the money. But they don't want to give up their fame and fortune and the little bit of money they make by saying something unpopular. And you know with me, Joe, once I figured this out, You know, I've been like you saying this thing is dark. It's demonic. I really can't explain what's in the sky, but I can explain the contact side of it. You know, it it, is. I know what that is. And, you know, I've lost probably half the people that followed me and book sales plummeted uh, because they don't want to hear that. They want to hear fake, phony, ancient alien stories, which just aren't true. Exactly.
4: You know, that I stayed with MUFON with all of this all the way through because MUFON knows, you know, they worked with me for two and a half decades now. They know I'm good at doing the research. They know I'm good at doing investigations. I've had the opportunity to share my findings because getting into the findings aspect of it now, once I realized what these guys have said to me, that These cases were there, that people had been able to stop this experience, but they'd been ignored. I knew they were there. And I told these guys before getting off the phone with them, I thanked them for their information. I thanked them for supporting, you know, the opportunity to to get confirmed on this. And I said, I'm going to go after that piece of the puzzle because nobody else is. And, you know, every one of them told me, please do, because we can't. And, you know, in the the two and a half decades since I've talked to them, not one of them has ever come against my work in any way because they knew I had the truth. Yeah. But, you know, the ones that I haven't talked to, the ones that came about later doing the research, oh, man, do they become angry.
1: Yep. Uh, Especially Dr. David Jacobs. He's come out, you
4: know, just flat out telling me this is a lie, you know, what these people what these people have experienced. You know, but, you know what, stop
3: it. but you know what's funny, Joe, is that Jake Jacob's research supports what we're saying, that this is malevolent. And, it, it, you know, he won't say it's the, the return of the Nephilim, but that's what he's showing us in his research. And it's very negative. He, does, he says there isn't any good part about it, but they don't take that step like like we have, to say, you can repel this. You can repel angels and demons with the name of Jesus, you know? And,
4: yeah, they, they don't want to go there because there. And I, I understand what the problem is, because I was one of those people myself before I became a believer in Jesus Christ. People don't want to be accountable for what they do, you know? And, and following God's, God's word and following, you know, Jesus Christ you will be accountable for what you do and that's something that people just don't want to do right you know so that's what this is all coming down to so once i i realized that there were more cases out there besides the one i had i went after i put myself out there to where i was looking for cases like that because i was going to build that database and this like i said this was you know back in 1997. That's when I started it, the CE4 research group, because I couldn't do it as MUFON, like I said, because they had no setup for this, no no format. And I knew that having a spiritual aspect to it, I wasn't gonna be able to come under the auspice of MUFON. So we decided to set up a separate entity of CE4 research and keep the group as an all volunteer. And members have come and gone, but I've been ahead of it you know since the beginning. And just so people understand, the reason we call it CE four research is because CE four stands for close encounters of the fourth kind, which represents the abduction experience, not the uh, break out the Ouija board and let's call let's call it CE five that Stephen Greer does. You right. Know, sorry about that. Not a Ouija board, but an app. You know, <laughs> same, same thing though. Yeah. You know, you get this. You get the same effect either way. Um, So once I started putting myself out there to get people to contact me, the testimony started coming in and one after the other, after the other, after the other, and I started building a database in no time of people that were going, I wish I had somebody to talk to, where have you been, you know, finally somebody that will hear our voice. And I started collecting all the information taken from their testimonials, putting together my own database of information that I was gleaning from these experiences. And it was nothing like what the other researchers were saying about believe me, The more cases I got, the more it pinned down exactly what this looked like. And what I was finding here is these people There's no evidence that people are taken anywhere at all. We have nothing today that is a smoking gun of anybody being actually taken anywhere. Everybody that talks about a production experience is telling you the experience after the fact, after they woke up. Listen carefully. They all are telling you a story of what they remember after they woke up. That's called a dream you're remembering, okay? Is it any more than that? I wasn't sure for a long time. But the more we listened to the cases, the more we started hearing and seeing a similarity from the testimonials as they would tell their story, as we were seeing with people who had been on stage hypnosis acts Where they volunteered to do something on stage with a hypnotist and they you know they had him looking like a chicken across the stage or whatever same type of thing we were seeing there and i thought wait a minute why is this so similar why is this so similar to talking to somebody after they've been through that as after they've been through an induction experience
3: hey joe let me hold you up right there a couple of cases come to mind and so let's get your view on this one would be Travis Walton, where they saw the UFO. They saw him get hit by the static charge and throw him, and then they took off. The other would be Linda Napolitano. I think she used a different name at the time when she was in uh, was it Brooklyn, and, and she floated out the window. And supposedly Javier uh, Perez Coelho, his name is from the UN, saw it, and the bodyguards of him, did say that to the researcher, we saw her floating out the air. And so how how do you explain that when there's witnesses? Is that just something telepathically put in their heads?
4: That's where I'm headed with this. And I'm going to show you how this works. Okay. Okay. Because this is the most important part of the research, besides being able to terminate it, which people still haven't accepted today, except I got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of cases of it that say they can all the same way. What I found here is when I started seeing this similarity, I went back and started asking different sets of questions. Because when I first started interviewing them, I would just listen to their testimony of what they've been through, let them talk. Well, now I needed to go back and start picking it apart okay i never use hypnotic regression i don't need to i'm trained as an investigator i'm trained to ask the right questions my profession is i'm a safety professional i do the same exact work in my work as i do in my ufo research because if i if there's an accident on the job i have to do an incident investigation i have to get to the root cause of the of the incident otherwise we can't correct it properly to keep it from happening again so i know how to ask the right questions without hypnotizing somebody to get the answers and the answers are in your head they're there they're recorded if they happened for instance john if i asked you about your last birthday you could most definitely remember your last birthday whatever
1: you did now Do you remember every bit of it? You think probably not. you remember the most sensational things to you that happened in that birthday? Right. But I I can sit you
4: down and guide you through by asking the right questions and help you gain that memory of all the little things that you push back because they're still there, because they actually happened, because you actually lived it. Understand? Yeah. So when
1: i started reinvestigating
4: these testimonials and their actual experience they couldn't do that there were things missing they could not get those answers it wasn't there now the leading secular hypnotherapists that do the work with abductees like david Jacobs, will tell you oh the aliens put a block on them so they can't share all the information i see Bunk
1: on that excuse Hmm. i say it's not there to begin with all these people have been given is exactly the same thing a stage hypnotist gives people when he's doing his
4: act he gives them sensational information sensational strong powerful information that he's going to direct them to do what he wants them to do. You understand? Mm -hmm. Commercials do this every day when we watch them on TV. They're doing that to us all the time. It's the power of suggestion. So these people have been given this visionary experience, dreamlike visionary experience of an abduction, just enough sensational, impacting, sometimes horrible, memory but it's just enough to get them to say
1: i believe this is what's happened to me okay now to give you an idea of what this
4: what i'm trying to explain here is if you've ever if you've ever been to a play you go to a play and you're sitting in the audience and a screenwriter has put together a scene for you like let's say a living room scene for the play He puts in a couch up on the stage, a chair, an end table, a lamp, a picture on the wall. He doesn't need to put much more than that. And you know that, oh, this is a living room setting. But it's darn sure not as much stuff in that living room as you've got in yours in your house, is it, John? No. But it's just enough sensational pieces to make you believe. The question in all of this is who is the playwright? Who is writing this scene and putting the same memory in millions of people in this, in this world with this experience? Where it's not identical in every sense, actually it's different in every sense. There are similarities, but no two experiences have ever been recorded the same. No two aliens look alike no two ships look alike okay and nobody ever goes anywhere they're not going to go a physical person is not going to go up through the ceiling to a ship just pass right through it that's not a technology that's ever going to exist it doesn't happen because it's a memory it's a visionary experience spiritual visionary experience that these people are given the same type we see recorded in biblical history in the bible where people had these same types of visions. Look at the one that the UFO community likes to use against Christians. Look at Ezekiel 1 1, where the guy has the vision right there at the River Chibar, okay? And he tells you, I had a vision. He knows he had a vision. He didn't see a UFO, he had a vision from God. The problem we're dealing with here is these visions are everything but vision from god because communication is one thing that you need to look at because when people have these experiences oftentimes there is communication between the beings and the people during this memory of an experience and those those memories those communication memories are always anti-christ anti-god anti-bible And they're always about the creation, not the creator. Okay. So these entities are coming here to do what? Share a new gospel. You know, one that as Christians we were warned that that's something you're supposed to be leery of. But it's always something to do with the environment or save the planet or something like that. Never something personal about helping, you know, us personally.
3: Hey, Joe, hold on a second. How, how would you explain out of body experiences? Because I had one as a kid. And, and then I had one when I went to my first MUFON symposium in 1999 in Northern Virginia. Uh, when I came home, I had an out of body experience and a whole bunch of other things, lucid dreams and stuff. Did my spirit actually leave my body where I can see the top of my house? Or did they implant that? How do you explain an out of body experience?
4: No, I believe that that's an implanted. We've opened ourselves up to this experience. And that's something that I found also in the research. The answer to that question that why does this happen to certain people? With over 400, up to 600 cases that have actually worked out, but 400 that I've actually got testimonies I can share, the findings is always the same on why does this happen to these people? And I can tell you, no matter who I talk to, I can take it back to where this came from, why they're having the experience.
1: And it's not just one answer. It's one of three answers or
4: a combination of all three. The first one is you asked for it. Believe me, there are people that asked for it. I got to raise my Mm -hmm. hand because I did.
2: True, very true
4: for
3: what you asked for. Well, we know that from the guests we've had on this show uh, who overwhelmingly seem to believe that this is a good thing, but keep going and we'll talk about that later.
1: Yeah.
4: The second one was people unknowingly opened themselves up to the experience, okay? And that's because these people were doing exactly the same thing, the second group. They were dabbling in areas that God's word tells us not to mess with Every one of them, I can narrow it down to where they're dealing in something already, unknowingly opening that door to this experience. People that are dabbling in ghosts are gonna experience ghosts. People that are dabbling in in any types of paranormal are gonna get paranormal experiences. People that are dabbling in this UFO phenomenon in any way are going to end up with some type of experience from it. Okay? It's going to change them. That's the whole purpose of the phenomenon. And we'll get to that in a little bit. So the third one puzzled me though, because I had adults coming to me and saying, wait, 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 I'll fit those first two. I'll fit that. I have, I have these experiences since I remember as a child. So I couldn't have knowingly asked for it. And I didn't know what to dabble in and to with i was too young and that one puzzled me for a bit but i thought you know what if this is pointing to the for mm-hmm. answers then that answer should be in there too and i found it and it talks about in scripture that the head of the household god has made the head of the household mm-hmm. the man he's the spiritual head of the household okay mm-hmm. If that man is not keeping the spiritual covering over his self and his family, his family is susceptible to these things as he is. And in every case that I went back to that they said that they had these as children, I would, I say, Let's, I'm going to ask you some questions here. They're going to be personal, not about your, t- your case history, but something a little bit different. And I'd ask them what they could remember about their family life as they were younger. What do they remember their parents being involved in? And every single time I found the open door with the parents that was allowing these children to experience these events. So is this is this generational? Yes, but not by blood, not by RH negative blood, not by genetics, it's by social activity, social participation. It's like alcoholism is not necessarily one that's genetic. But if you're brought up in alcohol homes, tendencies, tendencies are, you will be an alcoholic. So this is the same type of deal. Okay. This is following this in the same type of steps.
3: Hey, Joe, let, let, have, Joe, let me ask you, I, let me ask you this then. So I, I agree with what you say. Um, you know, for example, my mother went to church every Sunday and never took her three kids. And my father was an atheist for a long time also because he spent two years in prison and he wasn't a very good person (laughs) growing up in the Bowery. Um, But I also believe that, you know, in the Bible also sins of the father will be passed on to the third or fourth generation. And I look at people where, where good bad things happen to good people. And they say, why did this happen? And I think some of this comes from your parents, your grandparents. It's almost like it has to even out like yin and yang, good and bad, that if something really bad was done, somebody along the line has to pay for that. And, and, you know, and I tell my kids that, you know, if I do something, it's going to come back at you. Maybe I'll get away with it. It's going to come back at you. So you don't do bad things. Do you believe in that? That part of this whole phenomenon could go back a generation or two?
1: Well,
4: absolutely. It could go back a generation or two. That's because it, the same social setup is continuing that way generation after generation. Remember, your mother was a devout believer, but she's not the head of the household. Right. That's That's the problem. I mean, she can keep protection over you to a point. Well, as long as that open door is in that household, that's a fight that she's got to deal with. It's nobody wants to have to deal with that that much of a fight. I mean, the prayer and fasting that comes with that fight is, is tough.
3: And you know, it's yeah. funny, Joe. When you go to church on Sunday, and I, I rotate the three different churches, I would say the audience is at least sixty to sixty-five percent female. So many guys won't go to church on Sunday, so the, the wife goes, like my mother would go. And, and so they're they're missing out on exactly what you're saying. The father is not participating,
4: right? And I think that's the most important thing that you know. If anybody gets an important message out of this, this interview, I hope it's that you know, is you are responsible for your family, men. That's you. I'm talking to. Yeah, you are. Responsible
2: uh, John, for your I got I got to butt I in here real can can quick. I. Hey Joe. With God, you know? Yeah. Hey Joe. Uh, Sean has a question. Yeah, not a question, but I just want to thank Carnation for sponsoring the second hour of our show tonight. Joe, thank you for uh, coming on the show. Um, I'm enjoying what I'm saying, but um, that was
3: our
1: commercial we to... break. <laughs> we
2: we 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 need we need to come have you come back on because there's a lot of things that I have questions for you about. When you talk about the Bible, when you talk about God, when you talk about this, when you talk about that, see, I see it different from what you and John have. All right, and sure. I don't want to ruin tonight's show because you know I just don't want to go, you know, be devil's advocate behind all this. Okay, so we, so. we could
3: do that. Let Joe tell his story, and maybe we. No, can no, that. no.
2: This is a two-hour show. I can keep it on for four, John but yeah. I won't do that, yeah. Yeah. all right? So I'd like to have you I back on, it. Joe, and maybe we can discuss some just, more. You know? All right, well, Joe, if you
3: don't...
1: It's, it is complicated, you know,
3: and, and I, I will tell you that,
4: you know, like I said in the beginning of, the, of my, my story, I was one of those devil advocates, you know? I wasn't always coming at this as a believer. I didn't become a believer until I got into you know UFOs, and I was 32 years old.
3: I was I was you know, forty one.
4: I'm, I'm, I'm not a Bible thumper from the beginning. You know, I I came across the truth after seeing it from
1: two different perspectives. Okay. And it didn't give me okay. the answers
4: that I was looking
1: for. It wasn't until I came to this perspective to look at it through that I was able to put the
4: answers all together and go, wow, this is bigger than anybody has a clue to. And you know, so what I've got here is a way to. People can stop the experience by testimony, not me, by their testimony. Okay, I got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of testimonies, plus the word of these secular researchers that said they've come across it, but won't talk about it, that it can be stopped in the name and authority of Jesus Christ. Now, not just stopped, because I came across that little problem back in 2004 when Ann Druffel wrote her book stopping alien abductions where she listed a whole bunch of different ways that people have recorded stopping abduction experiences and calling to a higher power, is what she called it, could be any higher power, was one of those. Well, that's when I realized that, okay, we got a problem with the terminology here. It's not just that these testimonies I have have been able to stop the experience. They've been able to terminate it as a life pattern, where the other ways have not. That's the major difference. These entities will respond to fool you. This is about delusion, deception, lies. All of this is about this. And they will allow you to believe that you stopped that experience as long as you don't find the true meaning of how to stop it. And that's through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, here's one that science tells you you've got to have repeatability to your hypothesis to make it effective, right? To make it believable. Well, when I started posting these testimonies, that's all I was doing, was building a database to show people that this is something that isn't being talked about. Well, I went and had that one email come at me. And I'll never forget it. That one email come in and the guy says, you know, I'm not a Christian, but I've been reading these testimonies. My question to you is, can you help me? And I thought, oh my, I didn't see this coming. So I worked with this gentleman and I said, here's what I got. It's not me helping you. I can show you what's worked for all of these people and it's your choice whether you want to go this route or continue to live in fear and just dis- you know, distraught as you are from these horrible experiences you're having. Well, he says, I would be willing to try anything. And I shared the gospel message with this gentleman so we fully understand what you're getting into. And he accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And lo and behold, this no longer has any experiences. So what do we have here? That's repeatability. Not just did I have testimonies of people that had stopped it. I was able to take that same information and share it with somebody else, and they were able to stop it. Now, that's what I've been building in this database in ce 4 research for 27 years how many testimonies does it show you that what i have is real because i can give you more and more and more they're still coming in they get more and more that that book the second book i gave you there john that that one yeah 30 testimonies in the end of our No, there are 60 testimonies in the end of that one I've got still a couple hundred that I've yet to air publicly because I just have not had time to get it out there. Yeah. And they're constantly coming in. I guarantee somebody listening to this show is going to say, I've done that, but nobody listened to me. I'll say, bring me your testimony because I'll share it for you. That's what my work is. I share those testimonies to show the world that there is a hope for this experience. Not everybody's having good experiences, and if you're having good experiences, you're lying, because they're not all good. They're not that way, and you're deceived big time, because what they've done here with this message that they're bringing, this alien gospel, this new message of hope for the world, it's a false hope. Everything that they've ever prophesied for people that they would do, nothing's happened. It's
1: Excuse a me. Yeah.
3: Oh. Hey Joe, Jen has a question. Sean
0: gotcha. um, told me you wrote a chapter on Ashdar command. Sorry about my dog of figures. Um, and they all said that Ashdar said it was a great experience, and it, he said that they're 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 coming for um, to spread love love and peace. You know, the sad thing is, I
4: used to be involved in those groups there was so little real love and peace. You know what I'm saying? It was, it's like you have to try so hard to have that love and peace that they're supposedly
3: giving you. But it ain't there. Yeah, you know, I got somebody from the Raelians been contacting me because I mentioned them in a sci-fi book I wrote an Alternative History of Mankind. I said something about the Raelians, Raelians and uh, he sent me I'm all these... Control. Uh, yeah, I know. He sent all these videos to watch this. He's trying to, I guess, hook me on Rail, rail yes. whatever his name is. So tell us a little about them, too, because I know you mentioned them in your book. Well,
4: that's another group that's, uh, I, you know, you, gotta there, I mean, you, you got to list them under the cult. You got
1: They said everything about it, you know? Yeah. Um,
4: but it's, it's another one that's come about through angelic visitation. Um, islam came about through angelic visitation muhammad saw an angel in a cave okay there are a lot of isms out there mormon that, in, in, mormon and cults that have come about because of getting a message from a, a spiritual being Have you're testing these who these beings are how do you know who they are the one difference we have between what they have what we have as christians and being coming from a spiritual message is the Bible itself. The Bible itself is the most supernatural thing
1: in existence in this world, probably the universe. There's
4: nothing more supernatural than the Bible itself, which is the Word of God. It was given to through 66 different men over thousands of years. Okay, yet there is a fine thread that runs from beginning to end that is unbroken, the whole thing that proves how supernatural it is, is the prophecies that were given in there. Of things to come just on the prophecies hundreds of years and nations away prior to Jesus coming and walking on the earth, there were over 300 that he fulfilled completely. The odds of that, if you really get into the scientific, mathematic odds of that, your mind can't comprehend that. And that's just a speck of what the prophetics involved in that Bible are. There's nothing more exacting in prophecy in the world there's nobody that ranks anywhere near what the bible does in prophetic fulfillment there's not i what my question was that the first talk i ever did as a christian was that i ended up talking at a new age conference because that's where i just came from and they really didn't understand my message so they invited me to speak and i ended up standing up there at the end with all these soothsayers and you know Uh, Tarot card readers and uh, all these people that supposedly read things, but I said to them, why would you want to follow any lesser God when you can follow the creator of everything himself, you can have a personal relationship with him, but you're following something that is no guarantee you have no background on where it comes from you can't even. You haven't even asked where it comes from. These people that are opening themselves up to the C5, you know, I asked them the simple question, if I came to your door and knocked on your door, would you let me get the house? No, I don't know who you are. But you're opening your mind up to some spirit to come in and work through you. And you've got kids in the house on top
3: of that. Joe, Joe, tell them what a CE5 is because I don't think they know the valet classification system. The CE5 is, is communication with
4: extraterrestrials. But in this sense, the extraterrestrial is more of an interdimensional spiritual type being. Okay, And every aspect of what Stephen Greer is doing with this CE5 protocol that he's promoting opening up people to contact with these beings through meditation, through tonal, you know, sounds and through on the app and everything else. Everything is just a rehash of spiritism from the 1800s from Adam Malasky. Okay, it's the same thing that hit this country. And if you look at how all of that was done, it's, it's no different. It's just repackaged. Okay. And there's a danger in that. You have no idea what's behind what's coming into your head. You have no idea what you're opening yourself up to. You know, we we talk you just mentioned that with your out-of-body experiences. We put ourselves in a position where we caused that to happen. We allowed that to happen. And they can give us anything they want to see, any message they want to give us. The whole purpose from this phenomenon in the first place what i'm seeing
1: is it's to change your world view. Yep. because everybody
4: that gets involved in this phenomenon the same effect happens to everybody no matter how deep they're involved no matter how shallow their involvement is in every instance It takes people's eyes away from the God of the Bible, guaranteed.
3: You know, Joe, I see the same similarity right now over the past couple of years in politics. If you see the changes that are taking place uh, in the country and, and in particular the progressive movement, it's to change your worldview and your belief system. And I think a lot of what they say and do falls under the occult or or demonic influence. Uh, They're telling us things are okay that we always believed weren't okay.
4: Well, you know, that's where the fascinating part about my work has taken me, is if this is connected to the spiritual aspect of the Bible, what else does the Bible say about it? And then everything that you just said is part of the prophecies that were to come, that are still to come. Okay? And we're seeing them happen. False
1: prophets? In, in, in everything. Yeah. In, in the one world order, the one world religion. Because that's where
4: all of this is headed because of this phenomenon. Okay? Here's the scary part, John, yeah. the real scary part that people don't want to hear about is if this is what my work is showing and work like you've done is showing, that there is a sinister, demonic spiritual presence that is perpetrating this delusion, this masquerade of angels, as Jack Malay put it, which is, I believe, exactly what we're seeing here, we're seeing the emperor's new clothes, if this is what this is, if this is exactly what we're seeing here, okay, and these testimonies supporting that, that they have to respond to that
1: name, okay, what we're seeing here is what the
4: Bible refers to in second Thessalonians chapter two, which is the strong delusion that's to come. okay and that strong delusion would be so powerful with lying signs and wonders in the skies and everything that comes with it, but that delusion would be so powerful and so complicated and so in depth that if it were possible, even the very Christian elect
3: would be deceived. Yeah. If, if it were possible, do you know who? Do you know who's behind that delusion? It, it's, God Himself sends that strong delusion to test people.
4: To, to test people. Yeah. We are at that point. I truly believe in humanity's history. In that prophecy line. To where this is what we're seeing here because I'm seeing Christians change their worldview of the Bible because of an experience with this phenomenon they're being tested and they're not following what God wrote in his word they're
0: I'm getting I'm the impression Joe that you here. you I'm getting the impression from listening to you that you be, are all people who have experienced, some kind of um, supernatural uh, extraterrestrial encounter is is not, they're seeing evil demonic presence instead of, Is do you believe that there are a higher power of being out there or do you just think it's some kind of an illusion?
1: No, 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 no. There is a
4: there is a being that has more ability than we do as humans. The Bible tells you all of this. They're called the hosts of heaven.
1: Okay, and okay so
0: a- they're angels. They're, they're they're messengers of God. They're, they have nothing to do with other planets. Uh, no, no, not
1: not all are
4: messengers of God. If you read what the Bible tells you, it tells
2: and you. There was trust- a hey, Joe, there. I don't trust the Bible, so they're. Well, I'm not saying
0: say- that. I'm you saying you don't have to trust the bible okay okay let's back up, up.
4: to give me information and i'm telling you what i'm seeing and how it lines up with
0: the bible okay back, back up for just a moment, moment. just back up hold now. on joe but but there
3: can be angels right angels also that's,
0: that's, well that's, that's, like oh, take okay. take for instance all over the, the United States, basically on the East Coast, a number of people saw a flying meteor. They supposedly it was blue light, greenish blue light in the Western Pennsylvania, uh, Mississippi, uh, West Virginia area um, Thursday. Now, they're saying it could have been a UFO, it could have been a meteor. So you're saying it's either... It's either some kind of angelic or some kind of demonic. Is that what you're saying? No, no,
4: no, 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 not at all. Because I'll tell you, as a MUFON researcher and investigator of 27 years, I still hold the line of what MUFON tells us. 98% of all UFO reports are misidentified natural phenomena or man-made objects. Okay. The Mm -hmm. same thing goes with the abduction experience. I have to weed out medical issues. I have to weed out people that are just having bad dreams. It's only when you get down to the ones that are really the major not following normal things, the ones that fall into the paranormal category, which is why the term got changed to UAP. Because Mm -hmm. that's the final little ones that don't follow natural physics. Okay, and they had to give it a given special classification. But we're dealing with a minor percentage. Most of what everybody is seeing is misidentified things. Okay, they've gotten so caught up in this phenomenon because of TV, because of Hollywood, because of everything else that they're just looking to see something. People want an experience so bad, mm-hmm. they want something to bring them out of their miserable lives. And that's how this open door
1: happens okay well how do you
0: know it's not uh an angelic or demonic like when i was in my uh when i was 17 years old i had some kind of a vision in my room at night i saw a white light and i perceived as a 17 year old girl i thought it was jesus christ himself now was i being um what's the word conned or
1: deceived?
3: Yeah, but did so, anything bad happen, Jen? What happened from it? Do you just sort of like um,
0: what happened from it? Um, I became I thought oh, maybe I was supposed to be a nun or something like that. Um, but after um, that, I I received like a I call a gift where I would be very um Oh God, Sean, help me out. Um, telepath, was it telepath?
2: No, you're I'm very, very empath.
0: Clairvoyance, um, sensitive in from it.
2: That's that's an empath.
0: So, do you think I was that was a that was an angelica or any kind of a Christian um, experience, or do you think it was some kind of demonic experience? Because I received. You were talking about tarot card readings, but I received like I could actually almost predict things so was I being taken in by some demonic force or was this something actually from a higher power like Christianity, Jesus Christ himself the test itself is not me
4: the test is God's word what does God's word say about what it is God is our litmus test if we don't have something as a foundation then we got Nothing as a foundation, and that Bible has withstood thousands of years, thousands upon thousands of prophe- prophecies. It's proven itself to have existed as a historical events all the way through it because archaeology supports it. There's nothing else in the world that fits as close as that does to answering everything we need to survive as human beings on this planet. That is our that is our book for life and anything other than life our litmus paper is does it, Does isn't stand up to what god said because god warns us about entities coming and sharing a new gospel okay he warned that it would happen and he warned the first thing that the apostles asked jesus before he left this planet was Tell us, please, what to look for for your return, Because he told them he was coming back to they, claim the people that were the believers. And the rest are going to be down.
0: So maybe Ashtar Command and uh, Valence, what's Earth. his name, V, the, the we're one, all the messengers of God. The, the number one thing he told them, first and foremost,
4: do not be deceived.
1: Because
0: it's well, you know, it's easier said than done, Joe, because how do you know if you're being deceived or not by these things? How do you know that they are not telling the truth?
4: You test what they're telling you against what God has told you, because God tells you in his book that's held up for time that it's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. There will not be a new gospel. It's the same. If you hey, want to listen to, to new messages, There are in the desert. Who do you want to listen to? Hey, Joe, go,
3: let's, you know? let's go back a little bit. Uh, we were talking about, um, uh, like, new world news and everything. But I'm concerned right now that all of a sudden you have the Pentagon and the Navy uh, trying to get us to believe in aliens. Although they will never say the word, when you bring up aliens and ETs, they back away. They have not said that, but they've all. They, there is another agenda here right now with the Pentagon, the Space Force, the Navy. You're familiar with what's going on with their press briefings, and they—they they, they all of a sudden, even Tucker Carlson is like. This was a UFO. That was a UFO. What do you think is all part of that? That all of a sudden the debunkers for uh, you know 70 years with Project Blue Book, etc., are now the disclosures. What do you what do you make of that? Well,
4: look where this whole thing has taken us. When we first started out in the fifties, the contactees were saying that these beings were from planets here on our solar system. Yeah. But as soon as we started As soon as we have the ability to send probes out into space and saw that those planets were pretty,
1: you know, desolate and pretty terrible. Um, Next thing you know, the the same entities that we're
4: talking to today, same ones from the 50s, now all of a sudden they're from a different place, something from around that we can't can't reach. Okay, so they've already...
2: There we go. Hello. I'm here. Tell John to turn his mic on.
0: The Bible is yeah. telling us that we're
4: seeing our angelic host, angelic host, deceptive angelic host, hosts, then what we're seeing are manifestations. And a manifestation is not going to be able to be explained in a matter of physics and mathematics. Because a manifestation is an ability, not a technology. We see examples of those manifestations in the Bible, many, many places where these angelic beings can manifest from the spiritual realm that they exist in as spiritual beings into physical beings on our world to give messages to people. Okay? That is, that is a manifestation. They did not create a being themselves in the human form they took um, and took what was available matter energy and made themselves manifested that they're not human beings they're appearing as human beings the most ex- extensive piece of work in the bible describing exactly what i'm talking about is the story of jesus after he arises from the tomb if you let, read those scriptures and you watch how he changes from when he comes out of the tomb and the first two ladies he meets, he says, do not touch me, I have not yet ascended. His body is changing from physical to spiritual, okay? It's in that process. In those days before he left off the mount and went to heaven, he was amongst 500 plus people as witnesses, it's documented. Those people saw him, appear and disappear they saw him appear into a room without coming through a door a wall he just appeared yet at the same time he shared meals with them why because it's customary not because he's hungry he told doubting thomas place your fingers in my wounds you will see that i am him
2: okay then why wasn't his book put in the bible Yes. why wasn't thomas's book put in the bible
4: we just take it and throw the Bible out. We can do that. You don't want to talk Bible anymore that's fine. But you No, still- no, no.
2: I just want to know why Thomas wasn't put into the Bible.
4: Hang on. Let's go back to the testimonies, my work. We don't have to talk about Bible at all. We can talk about research and investigations and findings. Let's go back there because that we can talk about. I've got Mm -hmm. hundreds of hundreds of cases that people have been able to get their lives back that were destroyed. Not everybody's having a goody two shoe life because they're dealing with extraterrestrials. There's millions out there that are having their lives destroyed and nobody cares about them. Nobody
1: wants to talk about them. And nobody has any help that they can offer these people.
2: Whenever you do whenever you say, like I have a problem okay and you don't know me you know say like someone comes to you and say hey joe listen this happened to me blah 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 how do you know they're not lying to you
4: i will take them through a process to where i will try to eliminate anything as an investigator that could cause that issue
2: how do you do that
4: hang on we deal with this every single time i believe that half the people that have gotten on this bandwagon of being good alien followers are just doing the same thing so we can either nullify this and say they're all liars or let's look at this seriously and let's look at the people that have been helped the testimonies of people's lives being changed by being helped through that relationship with jesus christ deny that part because i can show you testimonies from their families where they say these peoples have come back to normalcy
3: hey joe, joe.
4: nobody else has been able to help those people in any other way group settings therapy sessions that doesn't help it gives them a the opportunity to cry on each other's shoulder but that's it but i'm telling you i got hundreds and hundreds of cases that people have been able to terminate it as a life pattern and the only way that's been able to work is through that name and authority of Jesus Christ and a relationship with him. I don't care whether you believe the Bible or not. I'm telling you, I got the case files.
3: Yeah. Hey, that's Joe. undeniable. Joe, for, for it to work, and I've said this to people, too. I mean, you can you can throw out, you know, stop in the name of Jesus. But if you don't believe in him, you actually have to believe yes. in, in the higher power and believe that he is who he is. For it to work, exactly. otherwise it doesn't it's, work. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a magic word. Yeah. And, and let me tell you, there are people who
4: are non-Christian believers that that name is helped. You know why? Because it's hard for anybody in in our history right now on the planet that doesn't know who he is. Right. They just don't want to follow him. Okay. They choose not to follow him. But when it when the when the shells start coming around your foxhole. And you got nowhere else to reach but up, and, and he's the only one there. They call out the name. Right. And believe me, he'll show you his power, and you will change. You will start questioning yeah. what just happened. Hey Joe, taste upon like
3: that. Yeah, let's take a step back a little bit. When you mentioned Jesus, you know, not to touch him because he was ascending. So, so my question is: a lot of people talk about, uh, you know, being implanted, uh, having fetuses taken. Uh, you know, in the Bible, there's the Nephilim. You know, the the, the they, they mated with the 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 Watchers mated with the uh, human females. Do you believe in that whole part that when they go from the spiritual realm, which is where the angels and, and demons are, into the physical realm, that they are fully, uh, let's say, capable and, and whole, that they could mate with with the female? And, and, and even further than that, are, are they taking the sperm or the ovum or taking it into another, their dimension? Because, you know, a lot of these stories seem to lead that way.
4: They lead that way because they're part of this, this strong delusion. Remember, I told you, the strong delusion will be powerful enough to deceive even the very elect. It's going to be as deep as deep can go. And we already know this whole phenomenon is. There's not going to be a mix between something that's spiritual and something that's human. Okay, that doesn't happen if you've been in science class you know better than that okay you're, you're in science fiction now if you're thinking that this nephilim thing that's a misinterpretation of scripture that people are running with and trying to sell you a fortune of books on okay i will tell you that too lost a lot of good christian friends that are preaching that one you know what happened to preaching god's you know gospel message now they're preaching giants instead who cares about giants? How's that going to help anybody?
3: Yeah, but you know? Joe, they mentioned giants in the Bible, in Jericho fine, and Canaan. They're
4: not methylam. They're not mixed between angels and humans. They're just giants. we got giants today. It's not the same. Okay, You're not dealing with a genetic mix of something spiritual and something human. You know, people want to take that into the science fiction realm. This is not science fiction. What we're seeing here is something that is an ability that they have to deceive. Okay. And that is what we're dealing with. These hybrids, it's not. They, there are no hybrids. That's okay. the thing. But... Not. The whole thing about the hybrid thing is it, the what I have found with that is the most controlling aspect of the experience to hook a woman and get her to believe and fall for this whole thing. Hook, lion, and sinker, okay? And that's what I'm seeing in every aspect. These entities know the power of the maternal instinct, and they're using it, because almost the, the majority of your experiences are women, and that is how they're being hooked. If there were hybrids, where are these hybrids? This has been going on for 50 years, if not more. There's no place they're around. They're not here. And the sad thing about preaching this whole hybrid deal is it's dangerous. Okay, are you going to go tell your own dad that he's not your dad? I mean, have yet any of them done that? You know, this this is this whole thing is just so much ridiculousness.
3: Yeah, well, you know, Joe, back in 2018. I put a $30,000 reward out for DNA, blood, anything from a hybrid, you know, because I, I like, like, yeah, like you, I was saying, okay, you, you all talk about this. I'm a hybrid. This one's a hybrid. Okay. Let's go to UPMC, get a blood test, a DNA test, let them run it and see if they come up with something that's non-human. And there were no takers. You know, I thought 30 grand was a lot to put out there. I was comfortable with it. I don't want to go any higher, but there were no takers.
4: No, there there never will be any, you know, this, I participated in all this craziness myself. If you guys listen to the first part of my story, I was a new age practitioner myself. I was pushing all of this stuff. I was selling this stuff. I was part of this lie until I realized it wasn't answers that were going to be meaningful. There wasn't answers to anything. Okay. It wasn't until I got a third perspective on this, one that had answers to it, one that had effect to it, an effect that actually worked for people, where you can actually offer people a hope that are going through this, and these people will tell you this hope is the only one that's working, the only one that's been available to work.
3: All right. Let, let's look. Let's talk about a different area. So, so now you know, like like you, when I joined MUFON in um, ninety eight, you know, and, and I think it was 06 or so, I became a, a state director. You know, I looked at the nuts and bolts, what's in the sky. Go to the websites. Let's explain away. You know, because just about everything that passes over is going to be on some website meteor asteroid airplane you know whatever so now when someone says and i've had so many people tell me they saw a ufo let's say within 500 feet so you know it's it's a ce2 it's not just a light in the sky they saw it they, they see it you know to travis walton you know and they picked up you know they picked up on radar uh, some of them. How do we explain that then? What are these? Because something is being seen and picked up, uh, you know, on, in the sky.
4: If you want to talk about that 2% that we were talking about, the ones that don't behave properly, the ones that don't exist. Yeah, yeah. Now we're falling back into the same realm. This is where the work I do in abductions comes along and meets that realm of sightings. Okay. Because this stuff that they're seeing, it, when they say it doesn't match our physics, it doesn't follow anything that our physics can answer. When it can be seen, but not on radar. When it can be on radar, but not seen. When it travels at speeds and makes right hand turns that are impossible to be able to happen. How is that even possible? It's easily answerable when you use and understand the ability of that term I used before. Manifestation, because it's an ability that these beings have, not technology. When they manifest into our realm, they can manifest as anything or anyone. It's nothing to them to manifest as looking human as it is to looking like a craft, okay, a tic tac, a pyramid, a gimbal. The thing is, when you get into some of the understanding of the physics that we do know, for that craft to be able to do those type of maneuvers at that type of speed, if you look at what Einstein talked about, and this is going back to science class, which a lot of people don't remember or didn't go or didn't care about, and they're dealing in science fiction, but you know, for if you take one aspect of what Einstein was talking about out of the picture, and I'm going to say, take that one time out. Take the word time out of the calculation. If you remove time, that vehicle that those people are seeing, the the Navy is seeing, can do those kind of maneuvers. If that thing was encapsulated in a bubble that had no time there, then that thing would be traveling in a timeless bubble, right? Yeah. You remove that from the that from the mathematical equation, it can do those things. Now let me get you to where I'm going with this. Where have we seen this bubble before? In u- ufology, because it's there in recorded sightings. Let me give you an example jenny randles came up with a term in 1995-94 for something that she was seeing where people were having close encounters oz,
3: right? oz effect the oz effect yeah this is what we're seeing this oz effect where
4: people are in close proximity to an actual visual site but yet they talk about they felt like time stood still. They're more fascinated with their experience than what they saw because they experienced something that didn't make sense. I've, I've interviewed people that have had this experience. They're so close that they're enveloped in that bubble that this manifestation is create, has created. And it's timeless. They feel like time stands still. It's always totally silent. No birds, no nothing. I had the opportunity. You brought Travis up in 2018 at the in Philly. Was it in Philly? Yeah, at the symposium. He was there and he spoke. I was dying to ask him the question at the end of his talk. And I said, I got up there and I said, Travis, I'd like to ask you one question. And, but I wanted to take you there first. And I said, I want to take you to the point where you're in the truck with the guys, you're seeing that light through the trees, the fire in the sky, you called it, and you got to that point to where they stopped the truck,
1: slammed on the brakes, you jump out, stop right there.
4: Tell me what you hear. And he's standing on his stage and he's looking to me eye to eye. And I could see his mind just going back, and he says, I hear nothing, total silence. The guys, he couldn't hear the guys hollering. He couldn't hear the cicadas and the trees and the woods. He couldn't hear the wind blowing through the woods. He heard nothing.
3: He He was in that. Is that going into another dimension or just, like you say, the bubble that surrounds this thing so it can move and, and, and defy gravity? No,
4: that bubble is their realm penetrating ours, sort of piercing the, that cosmic veil.
3: Does that make it interdimensional at that point?
4: Interdimensional is a term that secular people use. As Christians, we know this to be spiritual realm. Okay. God talks about two realms, the physical realm and the spiritual realm. He talks about the physical body and the spiritual body. We are going to take on spiritual bodies eventually. Okay. This is what Jesus was doing. He was taking on the spiritual body. He was manifest. He was going into that manifestation in reverse. He was going back to spiritual. Okay. And then if you read those 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 scriptures about what he was able to do, what's recorded from the eyewitnesses, you'll see that that's the same thing we're seeing here. This is why we're not going to get to the answer on this stuff, because they're trying to explain it with technology and it's not technology. It's the natural ability of these entities to make us see what they want us to see. The whole game is to make us believe in an extraterrestrial source. The whole message is that there are creators, but they're not. Okay. the whole end game is we are going to worship them.
1: That's the dooms. That's when we're doomed. That's why this
4: delusion is being perpetrated. It's being sent by God Himself. The Bible says God sends this strong delusion, so that you would believe
3: the lie rather than believe the truth that He's given us. Did uh, Did you see uh, Childhood's End or read the book by Arthur C. Clarke? And there was a you know, little mini series that was on about ten years ago, and, and you know. I had put that in two of my books, too, that the, the I, once I started to change my opinion in 2014, I said, boy, I could see Independence Day. They show up. It's seen and, and you know, not warring. They're here. Oh, we're here to help you, let's say. And, you know, and you're going to ask them, well, where are you from? How, you know, were you created? Do you believe in God? You know, the God question is going to be asked in the first three questions. And they say something anti biblical, let's say, no, we evolved, there is no God, we went through that period just like you. And people will then follow the UFO because of superior technology. I could see that as that strong delusion and apostasy that takes 80 90% of the people away to follow the UFO. Some people laugh at me, but then I, I saw the movie with Arthur C. Clarke. I said, there you go. You know, 70, 50, 60 years ago, the guy had the same idea, wrote a book and they made a movie out of it.
4: So this answers what's going on. You asked about what's ha- what's happening with the maysayers from before, but now all coming out saying it's real and the government releasing all of this stuff. What are they saying? What's our government saying that, they're in fear, okay? They're putting the fear factor in. They're saying that this is a, you know, what is it, a hazard to national security and
1: airspace? Yeah. They want us to rely on them, the government does. Yeah. Not rely on our faith in Jesus Christ. This is where they're heading. This is where this is going. They want us to
3: put all of our faith in them. And you can see how that's worked over yeah. the last few years. Yeah, and You know, it's funny, Joe, is in September, uh, Lou Elizondo came out with an interview where he said he wants to blow up the UFO field and ufology and that this whole thing, anybody that posts stuff on Facebook and blogs and, and podcasts like this, you know, that, that they claim I'm making things up and tall stories and a lot of them are tall tales and exaggerated that, you know, almost the, the Navy guy said you should be prosecuted, but, but Elizondo said this whole thing should be controlled through the Pentagon and their group and, and the Navy, I guess, <laughs> you know, so, you know, but who trusts them? Exactly. Who trusts the
4: enemies? you know? Yeah. Who are you to trust here? Yeah. i tell you what, I'm going to trust
3: the research. Uh, let, the, let research me, I, the research that I brought you guys
4: tonight is one that works for people. And nobody else has offered anything else.
3: Yeah. L- let me go back to that just a little bit. Is when I, when I read that article about how they wanted to control the whole thing, what popped into my head was NICAP when the CIA infiltrated them and, and they pushed Major Kehoe out. You know, the uh, CIA became the director and the controller, and they just proceeded to bankrupt them over a couple of years, paying big salaries and expense accounts, and they bankrupt NICAP. So now you fast forward, and MUFON is the only real, uh, you know, UFO investigatory group that's out there uh, nationwide, uh, worldwide. My gut told me, was Jan Harzan set up? You know, I don't want to go into it, but, you know, he went for debate, but was he set up? Was that what Elizondo was talking about, to blow up ufology and groups and the people that are involved? And will they try to take MUFON over and then bankrupt it to get it out of the way? I believe that is part of their agenda.
4: Possibly. Especially when you've got as many believers as I've come across, you know, within the organization that I've been able to
3: talk to. Yeah. All right. Hey Joe, let's let's drop some names here. Because, you know, the guests and my co-hosts here may be believing that you and I might be the only people that come from this persuasion, even though we changed our beliefs. But there are a lot of people in the field over time. There was uh, Lynn Coteau. You want to tell us a little bit about her and uh, what she was doing when she went through all of the uh, Library of Congress?
4: I don't have as much of information on her. Like I should. I
3: know about her. But yeah. I okay. Take well, all of that. well, basically, you know, Lynn Coteau back in 69, she worked at the Library of Congress and, and she decided to look up everything on UFOs. And kind of categorize it like like you do with abductions, let's say. And she she wrote a report and and came to the and it was for the Air, the Air Force told her to do it. And she went through all the cases that were published there, and she came across it and and concluded that this is just another a demonic uh, storyline, let's say. If, if they're going through all of that, and that was back in 1969. So okay. so.
4: Let's look at some of the ones that are just today though. Yeah. I mean, here you you got a guy that's pioneering this whole thing, you know, with the government, Tom DeLong. Yeah. Have you looked at what he's been saying? You yeah. know, yeah. this one here, there's a very I mean I've got quote
1: sitting right here in front of you. Yeah. Listen yeah. to the There's a very, very strong link between what people
4: think demons are from the Bible and other religions and the UFO phenomena. What you have is something that doesn't like man and either feels jealous of or has some kind of plan for what man is to be. That just makes it that much more worse when you think about it. That's Tom DeLong. I agree. Here's Dr. Gary Nolan, okay?
1: This one was fascinating. Said noted how different
4: witnesses to UFO sightings often see different things. Almost as if whatever it is, is projecting something into the mind
1: rather than it being a real manifestation
4: material in front of you. Um, That's Dr. Gary Nolan saying that. Hmm. Okay.
1: Um, Here's another one. Former CIA officer Jim Semivan
4: and his wife had their own encounters with aliens in their bedroom. As Semivan recounted on Coast to Coast AM show, he stated that it was his real encounter and not a state of trance. Paranormal activities were observed by both Semivan and his wife in their house. Semivan agreed with the statements made by Skinwalker Ranch researcher, Cole Keller that the UFO phenomenon is a lot more than nuts and bolts and machines. There are also psychic and biological elements that make things even weirder. I think they mentioned that the phenomenon is a natural part of our universe and we're living in it, but we don't recognize it, the same way that insects and animals don't recognize the human universe. It seems to be peeking inside our little consensus reality, as I explained to somebody once, it comes close, it teases us, it cajoles us, it lies to us, but you can never take it home to meet the parents. It won't allow you to do that. There's no formal introduction. Add on top that there's no ontology, which is just a fancy word that basically means there's no structure to even discuss this. We don't have a common lexicon because somebody says we have dots but no connections. I don't even think we have dots. And this is coming from your CIA guy. Yeah. Okay. And this goes on and on and on. And these are not me as a Christian saying this. These are the people that are the people we're relying on for the truth now.
3: Yeah. Okay. And Joe, Joe, one of the quotes that came from uh, Lou Elizondo in that article, which which kind of made me sit and think was he, he said that uh, people are, are going to find out that these are not monsters, but are neighbors. What do you think he meant by that? Neighbors. Is he talking about something interdimensional? Angels, demons, another species on the planet, which I, I know you obviously don't wouldn't believe in. But what did he mean by neighbors? No, he's talking about this is indigenous to planet Earth. We're not seeing these things coming from other worlds.
1: Okay. Right. These, things, these things appear and disappear here. They don't go anywhere out, anywhere.
2: They're I, I hear. John, John, sorry yeah. to interrupt. Joe, um, we have to uh, start wrapping up here, buddy. Joe, thank you for being on. Um, We're going to have What you had to say.
3: We have to have you back on again to finish this and then do like a, a little uh, debate with Sean because I've been trying to convert yeah. Sean and make him a Christian because I'm trying to. I, he says, see, he's resistant. But he tells me, it, it slips out that he's he asked God for help and other things. So I'm working on Sean. But uh, Joe, thanks, thanks for being on. Yes, thank on, you Joe. so
0: much for being on Chase and Prophecy. We really appreciate it. You have a great night, and thank you all for joining us tonight.
3: All right, uh, we'll get you back
1: on, Joe. Thanks, but All right, yeah. Without you know, we went. I wasn't.